Hi, I'm Roxanne Serta, and I'm the acquisitions editor for CNT Publishing. I've been acquiring books for nearly 20 years, and the past seven of those have been here at CNT. Through my job, I get the privilege of meeting countless designers, authors, and industry professionals who all do amazing things with their creativity. I'll be bringing some of those quilting and stitching personalities to this podcast to share their amazing stories and insider information. Download the latest episodes and get to know great crafters, learn the backstories behind events and people, and hear funny stories from people living the crafty life. everybody and thanks for listening. This is Roxanne Serta, Senior Editor for CNT Publishing. Today I'll be talking with Deborah Louie. Deborah is a multiple award-winning quilter, quilting magazine columnist, and author, but above all, Deborah is an instructor dedicated to teaching and sharing her passion for quilt making and mastering the sewing machine. Um, Deborah designs quilts as beautiful pieces of decorative textile art to add to your home decor. Um, so welcome, Deborah. Oh, hello, Roxanne. Thank you. This is so much fun. Woohoo! Let's it do is. it. And thank you for <laughs> taking time um, oh, early in your morning to, to talk with me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm a morning girl, so that's fine by me. I've already walked the dogs and exercised. So I'm ready to go. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I'm kind of a night owl, so this works perfectly. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, well, and I just wanted to start with um, that. You know, what from what I've read and, and from when you and I have talked, your love of color and sewing and textiles started when you were a really young girl growing up in Sydney. Uh, that your family textile business, which specialized in hand dyeing laces and fabrics, yeah. um, do you still do any hand dyeing? Um, I do it a little bit, um, a little bit at home. Sometimes in the summertime, I'll, I'll pop in, you know, 20 meters or so, just hand dyeing um, with Procyon dyes. But um, that love of when I was a little girl going to dad's big factory and seeing the big vats, boiling water vats and the steam coming out and then they used to just let the, the vats out, um, like pulling a plug on a, um, a bathtub, out onto the street and in down into the drain. I mean, this is a long time ago. You think, oh, my goodness, these days. But the steam coming up and the colour going down the drain of beautiful reds and blues and greens, um, uh, it still stays with me. And he had um, huge, great big wicker baskets that the fabrics and laces would go into on wheels and I'd get in there and he'd roll me around the factory in it and the smell of the wet fabrics um I'll always stay with me it's um it, talking to dad I mean his past now but they weren't great times for him because he worked really hard it was all manual work but for me as a little girl it was just this color wonderland I just and he'd bring fabrics home and, and laces home and I'd, I'd sit there and wrap laces around my Barbie dolls and stuff you know <laughs> oh yeah so, yeah he's always with me yeah Oh, that's excellent. Um, I, yeah, I remember getting the scraps from my mom sewing and, and tacking them onto the Barbie dolls and trying to get them to attach <laughs> like clothing. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, pretend that they're walking down a, a runway, you know, with this original design on and stuff. But um, him bringing home fabrics all the time. My mother was a fairly um, uh, 
ill lady. So I learned to make my make my own clothes very early on. Um, like about 12, she taught me how to use a sewing machine and I made my clothes. So a lot of them were from fabrics from the, the factory and laces that I tack on. And I thought I looked beautiful. I probably didn't, but it was... The- <laughs> It was a creative start, I suppose, is the way, you know, I can look at it. So, um, yeah. I hope you saved at least a little bit of that for, you know, to pass down. I have, yeah. But when he sold it and they actually pulled down the factory, there were two doll's heads, um, cloth doll's heads that were printed and they were just beautiful and they were tacked onto the wall. And I never got the chance to say, Dad, can you bring those home? And as a little girl, I loved them so much and I would I would love them here in my home now. But anyway, wasn't meant to be, but I do have laces. In the corner there, one day I'll make a quilt in honour of the Luton Dye Works. And, in fact, a bit of history about that was my father and his father had it. And they were the first dry cleaners in Sydney um, in back in the day. And then my grandfather's father and his father were all from Luton in England. So that business was generations down the track. And then Dad had three girls and my older sisters weren't interested in it at all. So then he, yeah, he stopped it. But I was the one that probably could have run the business and taken it to the next level but I was too young when he wanted to to finish working yeah oh wow yeah that's a bit of background (laughs) that is that's really cool it's kind of it's kind of neat that in some way you're kind of continuing the tradition but in a different way a very different way, yeah, because when I left school I did um, textile design um, and there I learned design printed, design woven and design knitted and I then went into the textile printing side of it. So I became a textile printer and then very quickly the colour mixing was uh, really something that I shone at and so I became the colour mixer and then I worked up to be a production manager for running um, a uh, there was two sides of the factory one side was continuous printing and the other side was placement printing so you know when you've got the kids have got a shark on the front of their t-shirt and things like that I was the manager to make sure that that went well and one of our biggest customers was Ken Doan So he's a very famous Australian designer, particularly back in the 80s and 90s. um, He had these T-shirts of very naive style of um, art of the opera house and and our harbour and boats and stuff and all brush um, work and bright colours. He's very famous here and we had the contract to print for him and so I was his colour mixer and Ken Doan is very specific about Every single colour had to be perfect for these thousands and thousands of T-shirts. So I, I learned very quickly that if a yellow was a bit too bright, a bit too much chroma in it, a dash, one dash of purple, which is its complementary, takes the brightness out. So, um, yeah, I learned a lot, not only from Dad, but from the other job of textile printing as well. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that is quite a background. Um, yeah. It's like you didn't have a choice to be anything else, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, well, good, I, in the best possible way. I was only good at school <laughs> at either art or sport. My my sisters are the academics. I didn't get that side. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We need everything. And so that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, 
in one thing, speaking of color, um, mm -hmm. talked before that your work is really inspired by the river and the natural bushland that surround your Sydney studio. Yeah. Um, so can you talk a bit about like, how does that influence come out in the finished pieces? Sure. I think it's, it comes down to being happy in a space that you're in. Um, our other house, I was um, in a, my room was in a small bedroom and a dark bedroom and I had to be there for a little while and I made horrible work because I was looking at a, at a wall and it was dark and I thought I can't do this so then I went took my sewing machine everything out into the um the dining room in the middle of the house and it was just chaos but I was happy again and so my work was happy again and here I've we've got beautiful new home that's elevated and I have uh, city views and river views and it's I've got 180 degrees of beautiful light around me so it's a really happy space um, light-filled space so I want to come up here I want to create I just have to look out oh that's a nice tree out there look at the colors there that might inspire me or you know I, I comes down to I think that you're happy in the space that you're sewing in and your your drawer and I, I do draw all my quilts and, um, by hand. I'm happy to be in, in here. Oh, I race up, I wake up sometimes at four o'clock in the morning. I know that it shock you. Yeah. <laughs> <Not really. laughs> a morning person, but sometimes I can wake up and go, oh, I know what I've got to do uh, to finish this quilt. Like I went to bed thinking, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I, I sleep on it, wake up, come up here. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do and I just get stuck into it. Sometimes I'll spend an hour or two getting that off my mind, finishing it, and then going back to bed for a while. <laughs> but that's crazy quilters, hey? That's what we do. It is. It is. And that's, mm. kind, of the, that's kind of the fun part of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> So for people who might be your students or your readers, like how do you encourage them to kind of take the things that influence them or that should be influencing them and kind of get it into their work? Um, sure. I think um, trusting their intuition is is a really big thing. A lot of people go, oh, I'm not sure of that color. But, but if you sit back and think, well, in my heart, that's what I really love. That's what I really want to do. And in the end, it's their quilt. They're living with this quilt. So I really encourage them. It's not my quilt to take home that they're making. It's their quilt. So really listen to that little voice inside because, um, and also listen, talk to other people because during the COVID times when I was here on my own, I doubted myself a lot thinking, oh, I'm not sure about that. But as soon as I talked to somebody and was showing them or whatever, they go, oh, yeah, be thought of this in here. Oh, bang. And that was the solution I needed, you know. So I think 90% is listening to your intuition, listening to other people and your environment. Um, yeah, maybe a tree out there is, you know, for us we're losing the, the colour out of the, the leaves. Um, look at that whole group of reds and red oranges and yellows. Wow, maybe that could make, that's a great start to a, for a palette, you know. Look around you and trust your intuition. Trust yourself think that's yeah that would be something that I try and um you know encourage my quilters to do oh definitely um and then the other thing that I think is kind of interesting is that even though you're a quilter which is essentially a 2d art form right yep um 
you emphasize in everything I've seen from you, from conversations yeah. through to like your book, that texture is really important. So like, yeah. why is texture important to you in a, in a 2D art form? Uh, quilters, we just want to touch fabric. You know, <laughs> I always hear ladies saying, I bought some fabric and I've just bought it home and I'm just going to stroke it for a while. <laughs> mm -hmm. They just love it so much. So I'm thinking you stroke the fabric, it's flat. How about we add some texture? Um, so I add texture by stitching with my decorative stitching with thick threads and that's 12 weight cotton threads. So a cotton thread is a round thread and it stands off the surface of a fabric. Instantly you get texture. So polyester, some shiny polyester threads are flat. So you get a different shinier look. But with a 12-weight cotton thread, I started using this on um, for quilting con my contemporary quilts and I used a few decorative stitches and people said, oh, gee, you hand-stitched that really nicely. And I'm just smirking, going, oh, thank you. They <laughs> <laughs> don't know me. I don't know how this hand stitch. So if the machine can do it, you know, I'm going to use that. And then I thought, wow, that is really beautiful. It's texture. It makes people want to touch the quilt. So then I started adding the 12-weight uh, threads uh, to my applique and, bang, I just loved it. I wanted to touch it and so does other people. Also, it's in the quilting as well. Because, Roxanne, what I do, you know, you ditch. People think you ditch pacing. Well, yes, I ditch every seam on my quilts, every single seam. But I also look at an applique of one shape over the other. To me, that's a seam. And so I'm ditching every part of my applique. And then when that's ditched, it allows the individual units to sit up on their own. Because if a flower isn't ditched, the whole flower pops up and it just becomes like a, a, a ball or something on top of the fabric. But once it's all individually ditched with clear thread, it then begets, comes that texture, it rises and falls where I want it to and bingo. Then adding the 12 weight thread, it's like, oh, you can't resist but touch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. So yeah. I'm going to tell a very, very short story. Okay. <laughs> um, and that's, that's well, it's about how you and I met. Um, yeah. So, and I, I embarrassingly cannot remember which quilt market it was, um, but you were obviously you were there. And one of the things we do is that if I'm looking for something in particular, um, all of the coworkers that are walking the floor know what I'm looking for. Yep. Uh, and that particular quilt market, I was kind of had my eye out looking for some machine embroidery content. Um, and my coworker, Galen, who's also happens to be our creative director. She came, she found me and she literally dragged me to your booth. <laughs> uh, we, not by the hair, I hope. <laughs> no, not by the hair. She's very kind. Um, <laughs> we only drag each other by the hair to like fun things. No. Um, well, but we all just fell in love with your clamshell quilt. Yeah. And what ended up blowing me away in particular was that it was not actually machine embroidery. Yep. <laughs> um, so can you tell, can you tell everybody what your method actually is? Sure. Um, I, that was at Houston in 2019. And that was at Quilt Market. Because that's the only time that I've ever been. 
And, um, yeah, an Australian, Pauline Coulter's World, took me over um, and allowed me very, very kindly, had a small section of her booth. And I remember that. I remember, you know, being there and it was so new to me. I had, um, I didn't have any stock. I just wanted people to see what I I did, you know, to hopefully get some orders. And um, you girls came over and you're stroking the work as we were just talking about are we allowed to touch it? We can we touch it? Go for it. <laughs> yeah. And um I just and then you said, Would you like to write a book? And I went, Yeah. <laughs> can I start now? <laughs> so thank you. That was fantastic. Um and so I can't remember what the question was. What was the so, question? <laughs> well, no, I just um because it so if you just looked at one of your pieces, yeah. the first thing a lot of people would think is, oh, that's machine embroidery. Yeah. Uh, but when you told us what your work really is, it was even more intriguing than we'd hoped for. So if you could just kind of explain what your method is. Sure. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, sure. So the method is always just using a domestic sewing machine, getting the very best out of a machine um, and picking a decorative stitch, stitching it out as it is, sure, then tie different sizes and weights of threads. Okay, that's a different look. But then what else can we do with this stitch? We can elongate it. We can stretch it wider. We can make it um, narrower. Even sort of simple, in the book there's a simple star stitch that I start everybody on and you do the default, which is the factory setting on a machine. And then let's see what happens when we make it longer. Oh, that's a different look. Longer again, longer again. Then wider and narrower. So I'm manipulating a sewing machine getting the very best out of a sewing machine and um on my beautiful um applique pieces and surprising you know you know, somebody might have a sewing machine that only has a few stitches on it but it's really surprising once they use different threads and change the widths and lengths how many different looks that they can get so my method is getting you to use your sewing machine to the maximum ability that it can do yeah, is teach you how to how to fall in love with your sewing machine. <laughs> that's what well, it is. They're beautiful things. That's my my sewing machines are my companions. We get on so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was it was really amazing because there weren't two pieces of any project that were the same or any two stitches that looked the same, and but yet they none of it was programmable embroidery, which was kind of cool. Oh uh, no. Um, well, and, and I still need to make f- friends with my machine. I can see it right here and all these stitches <laughs> that I've got. And I'm sure I've tried like six of them. <laughs> exactly. And you're like 99% of people, you know. Um, and once you do, you press like, I know they're ex- the sewing machines are expensive and people think, oh, I'm, if I press that button, I might ruin the sewing machine. But I'm sort of a person that says, well, what happens if I press that button? Oh, that's what it does, you know. <laughs> and if you ru- you can't ruin it, you just press clear or you turn the machine on and off and start again, you know. And me try- trying different buttons and going, wow, that's what how that to flip it over from left to right. Or how- that's how to stretch it. Wow, that's exciting. What else can I do? So, um, yeah, get the sewing machine out and press those buttons. <laughs> you pay yeah. for them, you know? <laughs> you do. You do. Yeah. Uh, so what, uh, for somebody who's listening, what is the minimum equipment that they would need to be able to do kind of what you do? Sure. Um, scraps of fabric 
they don't need a lot of fabric. Only a, a more meterage if you want to put it on a long piece to make a runner or a big piece to make a quilt. A sewing machine with a sewing machine manual, I think, so that you can see, um, you know, the features of the sewing machine. An open toe embroidery foot, a free motion foot, a sewing machine and some heavy stabiliser and threads that you've got at home and some get up and go, um, some a good breakfast in the morning and... <laughs> <laughs> and leave yourself a whole day say no this is my day to get to know my sewing machine and um and and have play so it's it's of course Roxanne there are sewing machines that have thousands of stitches you know and you can take it even further but I think sort of learning to use your sewing machine you then outgrow it once you get to know it and you might then want to go to the next model and then next model you know um mm -hmm. and I certainly did that I had a tiny little baby sewing machine and then I've just grown with them um so use whatever you've got and um it's even been known that when I did make these projects for the book I actually had three sewing machines on the table at once <laughs> <laughs> Because one um, sewing machine is an older sewing machine, does a beautiful triple stitch. So a triple stitch, another one was a 5.5 wide and my bigger one is a, uh, a 9 millimetre wide machine. So the different widths of sewing machines is probably important to me. I always get the widest stitch width possible because then I can play the maximum with a stitch. So if anybody's looking to find a, a, a sewing machine, look at the stitch width. The wider ones are 7.5 or 9 millimetre wide and that's really important after you've played with your own machine if you want to upgrade. Gotcha. Yeah. So just because I think, I think if people, like the good thing is people who are listening, they can't yet see the pictures of your artwork which is good. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, it, it looks intimidating, but once you explain how you do it, it's not at all intimidating. Yeah. But I've got, I've got three sewing machines. <laughs> good. I've got, I've got one that has, like you said, a trillion decorative stitches. Yeah. Um, I've got a serger, which I guess is technically not a sewing machine, but yeah. here I'm going to, I'm going off script. Like I told you, I probably would. Uh, <laughs> She's diving down to say. I kind of want to prove that anybody can do this. So I have a sewing machine that is a, it's an out of a big box baseline model. Right. So it's not fancy. It was probably like $100 US, which is not quite the cheapest sewing machine you can buy, but it's getting darn close. Yeah. And I've got, I'm going to count them. Okay. It, it's got like. 18 decorative stitches is that enough? yeah go for it okay yeah because so, so really and, but as as long as your machine does your machine have a width button and a length button yeah okay. it doesn't go super wide you know it's it's you know it's limited because it's not yeah you know, it's it's a base model but it does it has length and width right here at the top just two dials there you go. So it means you can press on the default of number 18 stitch, make it longer, make it narrow, make it wider. There you go. So, no excuses now. <laughs> exactly. Well, so that's just to show that anybody who ran out and got those big box sewing machines during the pandemic yep. can use them for this. 
Absolutely. And this is the perfect book to get them using their sewing machine beautifully. Yeah, it's not a, a specific brand. I work on Bananas, but it's not specific brand at all. You know, you can use any brand of sewing machine to get the same look that I do. Well, that's the beautiful thing. As you said, no two stitches are ever going to be the same. So you create your own look. Yeah. And I am starting to get um, emails and photos from people that have got the book and are started and are really inspired. So that's really, yeah, really fun. That's really nice to see. And they're just thrilled. They just can't wait to wait and make more. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's it's on my list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, well, the other thing is, like, so there, there are a lot of people who did run out and get a sewing machine. A lot of us who've had yeah. machines for years. Um, but also there's all the fabric that people bought to make, you know, PPE, like masks yeah. and things, um, that now you have extra yardage or scraps or weird shaped scraps, right? Yeah. Um, and right now, everyone's budgets are really getting squeezed. But yeah. this is something that I feel like people probably can still afford to do. Uh, yeah. yeah. So was it intentional when you kind of started working up this process to like make it used up your what you own and your scraps and your stash? Um, no, not really. I um, It was intentional to make little flower gems, you know, and you make one gem and you go, oh, that's nice. How about I make another gem? And all of a sudden, <laughs> three weeks later, you've made 55 gems that you can make into this beautiful piece. So I encourage you to make one little flower first and you'll go, oh, that was easy. That was good because... I'm um I'm a skill building teacher. I teach here in Australia, New Zealand, and um, you know, hopefully all over the world soon. And I encourage you to take it one step at a time. And that's what this book has really helped with is let's look at the flowers first. How are they made? Okay, then how was how, what's the first lot of stitching on it? You know, and I show it every stage step by step in the book it was a huge amount of work but now looking at the book it's sort of like wow people look at it and go I think I can do that you know and that's my aim is to encourage you to get in and do it and all you have to do is make one little flower if it doesn't turn out okay bin it make another little flower because <laughs> it's all put on each flower is put onto a stabilizer and you stitch on the flower on this stabilizer. You're not stitching on a background piece of fabric with all the applique there. Because if you bugger that up, if you make a mess on that, you've ruined the whole thing. You're disappointed. You're not going to go back to that again. But here, you've got one flower on, on a stabilizer that you're only working on. If you don't like it, go to another flower and make and stitch on that. So that was the beauty of, of me developing this technique. Because um, I've got a huge quilt that's actually behind me. I know you can't see, but I made it quite a while ago. And I thought, if I put all these on now, how am I going to keep turning and turning and turning the work? This huge grabby quilt under the arm of the machine to get my blanket stitch, get my star stitch, to get my satin stitch right. I can't. How about if I put it onto something? Well, I'm using this heavy stabilizer. Let's give it. And it was one of these days I went, oh, that's worked. Wow, and it just opened up this huge amount of 
um, inspiration and achievement that I can I can do this. I can I can go a different way. You know, sometimes in quilt making, it's got to be done a particular way. You know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, I don't particularly want to do that. And it's it's this is working my way, and it's working well for me, and it's gonna work well for you. It works well for all my students, and just give it a go, and it does work. It, you're gonna you're gonna love it. It's absolutely so much fun. Well, and I think the other thing that's really that that really kind of when you and I first started talking, I found really impressive with like just your table of contents and everything is you really tell readers not just what to do yeah but why to do yeah. it yeah how it works yeah. and for certain styles of learner which I happen to be if I understand <laughs> how something works I can get it like or yeah. why it works yeah and was that something that you kind of you came into teaching with or did you develop that over time or um, yeah, when I started teaching, that was probably 23, 24 years ago now, um, I had to sit down and what do I actually do? Because I, when the kids were little, I quilted um, domestically at home for clients on my domestic sewing machine. So I was quilting these huge quilts on this little machine. So I first started teaching with machine quilting. And um, I did that for a long time over Australia, got really well known. and then. I, I started to think, well, all these computers are coming into quilting now. I can't compete against a computer. And I was starting to get bored and uninspired. So I went, uh, then went into this applique and found my decorative stitch love. Um, and things like just holding onto the threads, the top and the bobbin thread, when you start stitching, you don't get the bird's nests underneath your work. Your machine doesn't jam. It's just a simple thing. So I try and when I teach and in the books is that I do talk about and I do um, what I do, you know. It's it's not sort of like, well, I said, this is what I tell you you should do. This is exactly, exactly what I do. And it was really fun. Some of the photos there in the book, uh, now I look at the book and I go, oh, Deb, there's the, because I always have a book to put my other foot on when I'm sewing, right? And the, <laughs> the little puppy started to to um, bite corner of the book and that's on the floor with all the scraps that I've been cutting away, the stabiliser. And I'm thinking, oh, Deb, you should have taken that away, but, hey, that's what I do. So <laughs> it, it is real life. Right. <laughs> I yeah. haven't glossed anything over, I can tell you now. It's real life. This is what I do every day to get the success and my students are doing it so it works. And, and that's really comforting for me to know that if somebody picks up the book and they follow it from number page number one to page number whatever it is, that they'll be able to do the work as well. And um, to me as a tutor... I need to have that. I don't want to be something, a book where you go halfway and now how do I finish it? What do I do now? Because I see so many ladies that have got unfinished projects and that's so much money that's sitting there and they love the projects but they don't know how to go about it to finish it. So yeah. um, that was really important from beginning to end, even to binding. This is how you're going to bind and finish off your beautiful project and they're proud of it then. They're just... 
So their chests are puffed up. Well, look what I did, you know. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, like once, so you're, I want to say this in a way that's not convoluted. Um, so a lot of the the information in there is prescriptive, like you need this much yardage and this much that and this kind of thread. But the approach, the whole method, it it really isn't. Yeah. It's kind of interesting in that, like I can, in taking a look at it and working with you in the, you know, especially the early stages where it was really conceptual and looking at the finished pieces, there are certain things that like, if I were making that for myself, I would make, you know, three of these instead of two of these and two of those, or Absolutely. I, I'm like, you could make a tree, you could make a paisley, you could do that as a bird, you could do, you could just kind of take that method and run with it, really. Absolutely, yeah. And that's what I hope um, uh, comes comes from the book, that you, you're given the information and then you go off and fly. You know, you take it to whatever level you want to do. This is the starting point. This is going to get you loving your sewing machine, loving texture, and not being afraid to use heavy threads through your sewing machine. You know, because I explain if I'm using a thick thread, I've got to have a big needle to make a hole, big hole for that thick thread to go in. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. That only makes sense. So it's giving them the tools, um, yeah, to develop a skill and then take it to whatever area they want to. That's that's fantastic that you feel like that, Roxanne. That makes me really happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, like that's yeah. Just looking at it, the way the way you approach the process, it that does come across. Because oh, thank you. I remember right. going well. I'd put a tree there, and then. I, <laughs> And like when you can see yourself making something different, I think that's when it really becomes like it's a it's kind of its own organic, organic process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've even started to make a quilt where I've um, enlarged the flowers and they're going to be really big scale in the middle and then all the scale of the flowers as border and border goes out, they get smaller and smaller. So I'm really going to be interesting to have these really big flowers and I can fill that with decorative stitches in those petals. I can go to town then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, and this is the one point at which I I kind of wish we weren't audio only, um, although it does help that we can just jump on and, and talk and not get gussied up. Uh, but you know, I do, I do want to talk just one little bit more about the intimidation factor, uh, because the pieces and even the cover, the cover quilt that we chose and everything, it's gorgeous. But when you look at it, it looks, I think, about ten times harder than it is. Right. Yeah. And it's really not. And so I just kind of, from a beginner's perspective, what do you want somebody who? has never done applique. The word applique makes them want to run. Like <laughs> what, do you, what do you want them to kind of know about how easy this actually is? Sure. Um, you do. I talk about a um, getting the rhythm of a stitch, learning one stitch, slowing the machine right down and actually see how this machine forms that stitch. When you learn how one stitch is formed, where it stops, where it starts, where the needle stops, where the needle starts, one repeat of it, oh, that went on the edge. Okay, turn the shape, do one more repeat. So slowing yourself down, 
is a, a really common thing that I like to do for people. It doesn't have to be done in a hurry. Let's slow it down. Let's learn the rhythm of your sewing machine and um, becoming one with the sewing machine. There's four projects in it too. So the first project is a, um, a little, um, what are they called? Doreen's placemats. So there's just placemats with one flower with five leaves with some decorative stitching in the leaves. They're really simple, easy and cute. I think they're so cute. I'm thinking I shouldn't have done placemats because I would hate to think of somebody eating spaghetti bolognese on the applique. But, you know, make a simple piece first, one flower, put it on something and enjoy it and one step at a time. Yeah, build your skills one stitch at a time basically, yeah. And it yeah. is achievable. It is achievable. If I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I will say that if I could do it, they could, anybody can do it. And I, I yeah. definitely, I know I can do, I can do this one. Of course you can, yeah. And, um, again, just being one with your sewing machine, learning to love it instead of being scared of it. That's, you know, that's a big point. Um, slow it down. There's a speed on most sewing machines. Turn the speed down because I always put my foot flat to the floor on my foot pedal, but I change the speed, mm -hmm. okay, change the speed to really super slow. And that's a great way if um, to train yourself if you want to be a nice free motion quilter to put your foot flat to the floor but change the speed of the speed that you want the needle to go and you're getting a nice stitch rhythm, you're in, ah, this is, I know, you're in control of the sewing machine. Don't let the machine control you. There you go. That's a bit of wisdom there, isn't it? <laughs> you be it the is. boss. Yeah, you yeah. be the boss. Yeah. I hope that yeah. helps. It does. Yes. I just wanted to make sure that it was clear that like this, this isn't, but I mean, I think also for people who've been quilting for a long time, Mm -hmm. This is something that could be really, really fun. Yeah. Um, and it uses up all the little bits of the things that you spent your hard-earned money <laughs> <laughs> on and that they aren't big enough to do other things with. That's what's really cool. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. I do use a lot of solids in my work because I, I do want the decorative stitch to do the shining. But mm -hmm. you could, in, in these flowers, in certain areas, you could fussy cut beautifully um, oh, the yeah, center yes. of it you know and then put plainer ones around it um, usually I say find one shape within the flower that you want the eye to see and mm -hmm. make that your dominant color or your dominant print and then coordinate the colors through that one print that's um, probably the best way to go yeah so yeah but you'd only need small amounts it is beautiful yeah that you only need small amounts and lots of threads. Everybody buys threads when you go to a quilt show or, you know, a, a show. Get them out. Use a large needle. Um, and I'm talking 80 and 90 top stitch needles because a top stitch needle has a big eye. And when you have a small eye and a thick thread, well, it's going to break because there's not enough space there in the eye for the thread. So if you get top stitch needles and make big ones, 90s and 100s, they'll go through lots of layers of fabric and stabiliser and you shouldn't have a breakage whatsoever. Yeah, that, that would be mm -hmm. one of the keys because there are, by the time you get done, there are plenty of layers. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and just the knowledge of what the different types of threads are, you know, that polyester, shiny polyester threads are flat and strong. So on satin stitching, they, um, when I make my stitch really dense, the thin uh, polyester thread doesn't build up and doesn't sit on top of each other so that they sit next to each other really flat and then your stitching is beautiful and flat. Whereas the satins, if you use a cotton thread, the cotton threads will sit on top of each other and build up and then the foot won't progress over the stitch and your machine jams and you're not happy, you know. It's yeah. little things like that that's me have spent years and years on the machine figuring out that uh, all of these gems I've, I've popped in the, the book as well. And I'm glad you see that, that you you see all the little hints and stuff. That, well, they're years of knowledge, you know, <laughs> years yeah. and years of knowledge. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah, and I just, and nobody uses up all of the thread you buy on any particular project. So it's kind of cool that you could just throw a lot of it in there and use it up. Yeah, and then you can use metallic threads in there and variegated threads. Um, I don't think I'll ever use my all my threads. I call it like, you know, have you have a stash of fabrics? Well, I've got a stash of threads too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I keep, I keep them all. This might be helpful for um, the listeners that my cotton threads are in weights and they're in colours. So if I've got 12-weight cotton yellows, they're in their own little drawer. 50-weight cotton yellows are in their own drawer and polyester yellows are in their own drawer, not just mm. colour thread. They're all divided in the specific types of threads. And I think that really helps me when I know I want a 12-weight green thread, I just go to that drawer. That's a bit organised. I'm a, I'm a Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. I've got all the bins labelled. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, um, what was the other thing? I had another question. Oh, the timing. So you had reminded me and I had thought about this earlier, looking at your publication date, but you actually wrote your book mostly during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so do you feel like that affected it at all or? Yeah, it gave me time, which was, and it was a, a tragic time. But um, I was booked to teach in Houston and in Birmingham and lots of teaching all around Australia and write the book. And I was starting to panic thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm not going to be able to sleep for a year because I've got so much work to do. And the, the, once I got over the disappointment that those things weren't going to be there for me, it gave me the opportunity and the time to put into um, writing this book and exactly the way I wanted to do. And I'm I'm thrilled that had I not had the time, it maybe I mightn't have put in and uh, made a book that I was super proud of. And I'm I'm just bang, this is just exactly what I wanted the the reader to learn and it's so beautiful and I thank everybody at CNT the photographers all the editors the designers everybody works so well and with me with my vision and now to have it in the flesh is just fantastic so to answer that yes it was incredibly sad and it was incredibly lonely but me and my sewing machine got on just fine <laughs> <laughs> there you go well you know there's the there's at least a small silver lining right well that's right there is when there's shadow you've got to find the light absolutely exactly. 
Well, yeah. and I, I heard you were going to start getting out on the road teaching again soon. Yeah, well, I'm already teaching in Australia, um, face-to-face teaching. That happened again at the beginning of this year, which was fantastic. Um, and lots of planned for next year as well internationally. Um, so I'd um, love to come and do some work in the States. I'd love to do that. So, yeah, let's try and make that happen if anybody's <laughs> out there. <laughs> we'll see if you can finagle a date in the Midwest so that I can see you again. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, and um, when I got back to that very first class, Roxanne, it was amazing because I hadn't really taught for nearly two years. And then I got back into the classroom and it was there instantly. All that knowledge, it was there. And I just had this big smile on my face. Yep, this is what I'm supposed to do. I felt really useful again, you know? Oh, really useful and it was surprising to me that how many people didn't touch their sewing machines during the pandemic they just no they hand knitted or crocheted or something that was a little bit more whatever comforting being around the family or whatever um but when they got back to class I went oh we've missed you Deb so much and they were inspired again and I went yes this is what I meant to do so it's made me feel fantastic yeah and yeah <laughs> oh, excellent. Um, and so this, it actually kind of um, leads me into what is, I ask this of all of my interviewees, unless somebody doesn't teach, um, and you've got, you know, you've been teaching for quite a while. Yeah. Um, so in meeting so many instructors and working with them on their books and everything, in almost inevitably, there's a story that comes up of a teaching moment that is something you laugh about later, but didn't at the time. <laughs> Do you have any like really wacky teaching stories that you um, can share? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. It's actually not a teaching story. It's a making a quilt story, if I could tell you that. Um, I make a quilt most years to put in our big uh, show in Sydney. And I spent a week making this freeform, I love contemporary quilts, so I was making this freeform squares and squares and squares, really bright, and I'd finished it and I had it on the floor sandwiching it. I was just about to spray the batting to put the top on and I went, no, it's not good enough. And all I did, I was so furious, I came up and I just got my rotary cutter and just cut through this huge quilt. I know, who does that? (laughs) (laughs) And then I cut it into squares and then I cut them into four square triangles and four patches. I rearranged them all and I put it back together and I got a couple of big ribbons, that Sydney show, (laughs) because it's so busy and so you look at it and go, I don't know how she'd piece that because it was this tiny little strip all going everywhere and I could never make it again. But it was sort of like I got first place in piecing, which I knew, I'm not a piecer, it was hysterical, and first contem- and best contemporary quilt of a quilt that I just was so cranky about and I just cut it all up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is, you're going to have to send me a picture of the quilt. Now I need to see it. Okay. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is I have an author you need to talk to because that is her actual whole process. Oh, beautiful. Yes. <laughs> And, and ironically, um, we have a book with her. She's been on the podcast. 
Oh, really? Well, it was yeah. after a whole whole week of piecing, and that's a week that I needed to to get a result, you know. Right. And I was I was so upset, you know, cutting. I was in tears cutting this thing up. I go, oh, what have I done? <laughs> no, but, no, um, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. funny. Well, you know, it worked out. So that's the moral of the story. Absolutely. Yeah, and I tell people if they don't like something. Oh, I'm just thinking, wonder if I make one of my flowers and then cut it up and rearrange it again. Whoa. Oh, there you go. <laughs> this is book number two, right? Book number two, yeah. <laughs> what, what happens when your applique goes wrong? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So well, what so what do you have coming up? What's next? Um, I've just finished two children's quilts because I'm a brand new grandmother. Congratulations. Thank you. Beautiful little girl, Talia. Um, And so I thought, well, people are always asking me for um, different quilts and particularly children's quilts. So these two are Quilt As You Go, which I have never done before. Um, I was always hesitant of it, but I quilt a lot. So I'm doing a lot of beautiful background quilting and it's really dense quilting and then when you join them even the joins are quilted and these quilts are sitting yeah these quilts are sitting beautifully and flat so they're really bright geometric fun trucks and cars and boulders and um, stop signs and stuff and then the little girls one is beautiful soft flowers um, and layers of applique. So they're all applique quilts. Um, and the little girls is, with the book, the outside edge is all sketch applique, free motion sketch applique. So that is sketch applique over everything. So an, 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 another technique, just taking it a bit further. And the boys one is a more of a beginner's, um, the design isn't, but the applique is mainly blanket stitch and a few just decorative stitches that even the simplest quilt would have but they're really fun and graphic and strong and bright and yeah they're doing incredibly well for me so that's what's latest yeah and then I just wanted to make one more major big quilt for machine magic um a really big one that I'll hope to exhibit next year so um then I'll be done and move on to something new yeah so magic (laughs) isn't finished yet (laughs) excellent um well, and so where, like, if somebody wants to learn more or, you know, maybe see your schedule, like when, when you'll be where, what do they, where do they go? Sure. So I have a website, deborahlouie.com.au or uh, Facebook is Deborah Louie Tutor is where I then post lots of things all the time and Instagram, just Deborah Louie. So, um, yeah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, Deborah. well and just um we'll have all of those links too in the podcast description so if you're listening and you really and you want to learn more and you didn't catch all of that just click over to the description and you'll be able to grab one of the links and check out more of the work and see where you maybe can catch up yeah fantastic that'd be great (laughs) excellent well thank you again for taking the time i really had fun and it was good seeing you again after all this time Oh, thank you, Roxanne. I've had a ball. Thank you. And I hope um, everybody has a chance to have a look at the book anyway. It's it's a beautiful book. I'm thrilled. And thank you to CNT Publishing. No, no, thank you. As we took one look at that quilt and then you said it was machine, st- machine stitches. <laughs> You're like, we're sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did a good job, didn't we? We made a beautiful baby. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely.
All right. right. Well, thank you. Okay. Pleasure. Bye. For, bye now. Bye, everybody. This is Roxy Serta. Thanks for listening to Behind the Scenes. Want to know more about our outstanding group of authors and their books? Visit us online at CT Publishing on Instagram, Twitter, our CNT Publishing channel on YouTube, or on our website at ctpub.com.